Welcome once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 59. As always, a reminder to download, share, rate, review, tell a friend of our wonderful little vehicle here, especially those guys up in Canada. Thank you for the support up there. This is a Canadian podcast too. We're gonna take care of you guys. Some big stuff coming down the pike. I would also uh, note that it is a very nerve-wracking time as we head into that final stretch of World Cup qualifiers for our friends in Canada, although they're sitting pretty good. Here in the United States, in Mexico, in Panama, in Costa Rica, in Scotland, everywhere, right? In Ecuador, in, uh, what am I missing, Colombia? <laughs> Here we go. March is it. April 1st, the World Cup draw. Could you believe it? It's all happening. We're going to kick things off here. Special guest from the Straight Red Card on YouTube. It's Derek Ritchie. He is an upstanding, intelligent, funny guy who's going to break some news here too. He's got some news to break. We had the conversation, so take a look as it will focus in on the U.S. men's national team's efforts. Also talk about the CONCACAF Champions League. And Jesse Marsh, who has become, you know, our fearless leader. We all tune in. That the Leeds games have become much watch, must watch TV for all of us here in the US because we know what's at stake. And we'll talk about that with Derek here shortly in the business end. Stoppage time, we'll talk about the situation in Europe. Barcelona, Messi. It wasn't a great few days for Lionel, but his former club is doing very well without him. We'll take a closer look at what's going on there and we'll just put a nice bow on another fantastic episode. Thanks for tuning in. Let's go. Okay, we are back and uh, breaking down a few things that happened this weekend that we want to touch on. I do want to remind everyone to check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. We have a new video there and it is breaking down the most important decisions for the U.S. men's national team heading into these final games. We're not projecting the roster. We are heading to the important stuff. Who starts? Who fills in for Weston McKinney? Does Gio Reyna get into this squad? Who plays at goalkeeper? The important stuff. We can sit here and we can argue about whether Christian Roldan makes the team, but the reality is this is all about making the World Cup. So don't sweat the small stuff. It's no time to break in some new players. The guys who have played are the ones who are going to be called in. That's the way it goes. That's the way anyone does it. So we're going to dig into the important stuff. We'll talk about that a little bit here with Derek Ritchie as well in the business end in just a couple minutes. It's a lot of interesting stuff to break down over the weekend. And uh, watching the Premier League game, Manchester United, Tottenham Hotspur, hat trick for Cristiano Ronaldo. Tom Brady was there, and you know it was great. To see, you know it's great optics. What a great, what a great chance if you're NBC to pan the crowd and have a, a shot of, t- of Tom Brady. Of course, Manchester United owned by the Glazers, who own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so there is a connection there. He had some time to talk with Cristiano Ronaldo, and lo and behold, late Sunday, Tom Brady announces that he's returning to the NFL. What was said in that conversation? Is it all the money that's out there that is making him want to come back because of what Aaron Rodgers made? Money is a big part of it all. But uh, Tom Brady, was he was for a couple weeks, he was retired, and now he's like, yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Why not? If you still enjoy playing and you still play at a high level, do it. 
He's a phenomenal athlete. There's uh, yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo, too, proving he's a, he's a phenomenal athlete with that hat trick because things were really um, a little touch and go there with Manchester United and the way he was playing. This was a real big win for them. It's good to see them do that. And now we have to see if, uh, if they can continue that momentum. And it's all about finishing in the top four. Top three are pretty locked in in uh, Manchester City, Liverpool, and Chelsea. Then you have Arsenal, United, and West Ham. My West Ham Hammers who beat Aston Villa. The real Claret and Blues. Isn't that crazy with these, all these three teams that have Claret and Blue in England? I know there's a perfectly good explanation. And I know Aston Villa was first from my readings. But uh, it's just weird that that happened because it's such an odd pairing of colors. Major League Soccer had a nice weekend. Good to see LAFC go on the road and win at Inter-Miami unbeaten. The MLS team is really the big impression being made in the CONCACAF Champions League, which we will talk to Derek about here in a few minutes. It looks good. I predicted that an MLS team would win the CONCACAF Champions League. I feel really good about that after New England and Seattle clean through Mexican opponents in the first leg should get through to the semifinals. We shall see. A New York City FC should get through to by Comunicaciones. The question is, can Montreal beat Cruz Azul? Because if they do, then we know an American team, an MLS team, pardon me, not an American. An MLS team is going to win. An MLS team is going to push through. Something that really impressed me this week, and we all heard the news about Roman Abramovich. It is bizarre when you look at the, you know, people. This was, a, a Roman Abramovich was undressed here and, a lot of people angry and looking back a few years ago as to how it came about in the first place and where did the money come from and people were confused. But now Roman Abramovich is out trying to sell the club. Could be a new American owner in here and we should see. That's obviously a huge club. Chelsea in West London, a very posh area. Stamford Bridge is in the nicest area of London, uh, arguably. So that is a, a in-demand team that is a, a, you know, a huge world brand now. But I want to say something because I know we talked about the press pushing Thomas Tuchel about this Roman Abramovich, and he said he didn't want to talk about it. And I know a lot of folks out there saying he should talk about it. And I'm like, why? He's a football coach. He's a manager. His job is there. What are you going to talk about that? Sure, you'll get an answer, but it's it's just, you know, you don't have to address this. And like other managers do a good job. I think Jurgen Klopp does address it, but he does it in a roundabout way. So he's not really you know, on the hook for those kind of things. But I want to say that Thomas Tuchel and his Chelsea players, with all this going on, that the sponsor was leaving, came out this week and didn't face the toughest opponents, but made completely sure that they got these victories. Went in and beat Norwich. Scored two goals, I think, in the first 15 minutes. So took care of business. Then this weekend, grounded, grinded it out to beat Newcastle and I just was really impressed because with all the distractions with all the things being said and you know the water gets really high in England and particularly London with regards to football these players and these coaches kept their head above water and they churned that out you know I'm not you know I'm very critical of Chelsea all the time but they got it done also wanted to talk you know Chelsea uh, after a man of the match performance last weekend against Burnley we talked about it here it looks like a uh, and we'll talk about this with Derek. He has some interesting details about it. That because of an illness, I don't know how severe it was, Christian Pulisic couldn't play in uh, the midweek. And then he came off the bench over the weekend 
in that Newcastle game. And it's frustrating because he has all this momentum and you want to see him go for a good stretch. Go like three months. How's that sound? Two months without any interruptions. But there's always an interruption. But he was playing really, really well. And as we look at this U.S. men's national team, which we will break down here shortly, they're going to need him. He needs to put in a real big effort in at least one, if not two games. But good to see him back. Good to see Gio Reyna back. He looked really good in the short time he played for Dortmund. I'm just have to put him in bubble wrap. We'll talk to Derek about whether Gio gets called in because I don't think it's a slam dunk, even though he's going to play a couple games before the U.S. team congregates for the game at the Azteca. So I I don't know. We'll 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 hash that out here shortly. But uh, here it is. Big decisions coming your way. I don't want to waste any more time. We'll get into the business end here. Don't forget about stoppage time. We'll talk about Messi and Barcelona, the PSG result. I know we didn't get to talk touch about it, talk about it, but uh, just a cataclysmic collapse. And Donnarumma, that really, when he made that mistake, it all fell apart. And PSG made some horrific act, horrific mistakes late. But I don't think anything happens without that Donnarumma play. And it wasn't a foul. So PSG behaving badly, and now that whole club is going to be flipped upside down. And you wonder what the future is for Messi. But we'll talk about that a little bit. Coming up now, the business end of Derek Ritchie. This is the Soccer OG. Let's get it going. back here on the soccer OG it's time for the business end and welcoming in a man who I joined on uh, his straight red card uh, YouTube and now he's jumping on here because I thought we had some really good synergy it's Derek Ritchie Derek thanks for jumping on here and uh, I hope you're ready man because we have a lot of ground to cover I am honored to be on a show uh, with a guy who is back in the day one of the first hosts of the Fox Soccer Channel. Well, this you're is, well, you're very is, welcome. Is, I'll I'll weave you a tale about <laughs> the, the the time of yore and when we used to kick a ball on black and white television, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was good, man. I'm glad. I'm glad you were yeah. tuned in for all of that. You know, as I as I always say, people, <laughs> it, the there was more people tuning in there than I ever thought was imaginable. Yeah, I mean, it was a great outlet, and then you guys had legends on that show. Like Bobby <laughs> McMahon and I mean it was just it was great it was a great they, time we put Winnipeg on the away. map I didn't go to Winnipeg so I did stuff in LA and they did the stuff in Winnipeg but it was like cost effective to be able to produce it so you know everything we do here you've got to it's got to be about the bottom line and I guess it's easier to do something in Winnipeg they were just blessed to have all these great people working there yeah. that have all done pretty well I mean yeah. Bobby I was it was I talking to you about it Bobby McMahon we've got to uh We've got to locate. I think he's out of the business, which is a shame because he was it is. Such a formative guy and just a lovely person. But, uh, you know, uh, who are the I mean, Jeremy St. Louis working for CBS Sports. Michelle Lissell, I keep in touch sometimes. Mitch Peacock, that whole, <laughs> that whole crew. Brendan Dunlap. So they're all there. It's Peacock on Peacock. That's yeah, he should. It's a, it's a no brainer. <laughs> I figure that they put him on there, the Mitch Peacock show. Um, absolutely be perfect it's, it's tough in canada you know to get stuff and listen i'm very proud of who whatever listeners i have in canada uh actually my my uh best performing podcast was i had christian jack when we we're talking about usa canada so people were really into it so i know some people in canada are listening so 
we will, I like to include the conversations and look, uh, even that, you know, this news of Alfonso Davies, it good Canada is, is pretty much qualified, but you know, yeah, that's gotta yep. be concerning as the world cup draws coming up and to see you, you, you want, you want them in more often than out. So we can, we can wax a little Canadian football too. Yeah, no, listen, we're, we're a Canadian positive show and so is yours. I mean, you know, they're all after tact. So, you know, after tactical manager, not us. We don't say rude Canadian. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. No. I, uh, I, I say rude Canadians as a, as a compliment to this Canadian national team. I say they're rude. And I think that's, that's what they feed off. And that's why they've been successful because they're kind of um, dropping the tag of the very polite Canadians, you know, they'll get under your skin, but it's benefited them. Is that fair? Yeah, no, that's fair. They also play within themselves and they have a manager who knows how to make sure they play within themselves too. So they're, they're a different team. This is not your grandmother's Canada anymore. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're serious. And I don't think it's going to go back to our grandmother's Canada. So sorry, grandma, no. grandma, grandpa, sorry, it's grandma. But, grandma <laughs> and, and you know herdman's got this little arrogance on that i love it and he's like look at him he's walking around like a peacock he's like yeah come on he does strut i'm the bull he? of the woods around here but he packs it up yes he does and uh yeah they're not going away anytime soon not with the lineup and how young they are and how many players they have overseas right now that they're developing um you know i i do i, I track every game in the bundesliga england turkey blah, blah. they're all over the place these they Canadians. are they Germany, are. especially in some of the youth uh, teams, the U19 teams. So they're going to be around for a while, folks. So I, agree. I guess we're going to have to get used to it. Yeah, you, that's good for everyone involved to have a very healthy North American rivalry, not just with Mexico. USA, Mexico is always number one and by a long shot. But if you can develop something with Canada, that is all gravy for uh, yeah. a U.S. team that doesn't have these natural rivals. It has to really scurry around to find games. So now that they yeah. should be able to get a couple games, if not more from Canada every year. Yep. So now it can be Canada and Mexico. Because Canada, honestly, no, but I don't think anybody really considers Honduras or, you know, Jamaica or Costa Rica as like real rivals, even though we can't beat them at their place. <laughs> Costa Rica, at least we can't. So yeah, it's not really considered a, a real rivalry in yeah. the classic sense so yeah, with all with all due respect we obviously like that we know those are valuable but it just doesn't it doesn't resonate like this what we've seen with this canadian uh development over the last six nine months all new all exciting and new stuff yeah it doesn't really tickle my my tanglers so i, I need <laughs> i need, I might have I need to more tickle my tanglers i might have to use that <laughs> I can use that. I'm 50. Yeah. They're yeah, we're, a little bit lower than they used to be. <laughs> yeah, we're the old timers. But we have a lot to, to discuss. So we will get yes. into the World Cup qualifying because it's here. Look, it is. Uh, this is we're Sunday, March 13th. So 11 days before they kick things off at Azteca. Yeah. I presume they're going to pick the roster here in the next two or three days, which will yep. obviously get everybody up in arms. But we'll, we'll discuss that in a moment. But in the here and now, and this is why I really enjoy this podcast. And I know you really enjoy what you're doing on the straight red card because there's never a lack of things to talk about. And this weekend, again, mm -hmm. at least three or four massive stories as it applies to the American soccer uh, scene, the American soccer World Cup qualification process. Uh, I know we were talking a little bit over text 
and yep. we were very nervous with Jesse Marsh coming off <laughs> yes. a really bad loss to Aston Villa. So they had this stretch. They're still safe. And then they have this game against Norwich City. And I recorded it because, you know, these West Coast Premier League games, <clears throat> a little tricky for me. Yeah. But I did. And I was a nervous wreck. I yeah, was me too. But this is, I mean, I, I couldn't, I mean, I'm not going to say I couldn't give two hoots about Leeds United. I, I like the club and I love Marcelo Bielsa. But now this investment that, you know, I'm sitting here on the edge of my seat, hoping that who knows, who, you know, Patrick Bamford can get a goal. All of a sudden, I'm a huge Patrick Bamford fan. Or, <laughs> no, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. And, and, and Jesse comes out in his jeans, too. And I'm like, hi, he's wearing jeans. Come on, Jesse. Got to represent, bud. <laughs> but I was nervous. Just I'm nervous in the sense because, you know, Bob Bradley was there. That didn't work out. Nobody really considers David Wagner a real American. Not in England, they don't. Yeah. Um, because he speaks with a German accent. So this is the next guy, right? And if he falls on his face, uh, and I'm not saying Bob did. I think they didn't give Bob a chance. Yeah. Um, and that was really a shame, but if he falls on his face, then, you know, we're going to be stuck with the, uh, the cartoon character of Americans. Um, and we don't need that. We need Jesse to succeed. So I'm really nervous for him. And I was really nervous for this game. And when it tied, I was bummed out, man. And yeah. then whew, the goal, but Derek, that's a great point because if say Leeds United really struggle. And they're supposed to struggle because there's a systematic change going on. He is creating a team that's not going to give up all these goals. So this team right. is learning a whole new style and they yeah. have to figure it out. And you can see they didn't figure it out against Aston Villa. But in the two games between the Villa game, including this Norwich game, they played well. But if for some reason Leeds United find themselves in the bottom three in April, Ooh. the American soccer, the American coaching uh, opportunities I can't imagine would come up anytime soon. I, I think we're looking at three, four years before you can recover just because of the perception, whether it's right or wrong. And I think it's wrong, right? but there's not, they're not going to be looking for Americans to do it. Cause they'll say, okay, they'll say the Bob Bradley situation was uh, a failure, even though that is way too harsh of a designation. And then they'll say Jesse Marsh at Leipzig, Jesse Marsh at Leeds. Okay. It's not working. Right. And it's, then uh, we got... both agree with that. Yes, we do. And then we guys got we got Matarazzo struggling to hold on by, you know, uh, the seat of his the, pants. The, the tanglers. The tanglers. Yeah, 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 the dirty danglers. And I mean, there's <laughs> a lot of work to be done there for him. So I'm really nervous for him as well. Um, although I think the, the Bundesliga is a lot more fair. They're going to give him time. I think they're going to get out of that. I think Stuttgart is going to pull it out. But outside of that, all we got is Joe Enox and Zwickau down in three Bundesliga. So, you know, there's not much to go on. And well, David Wagner, who we consider very American, he played for the U.S. men's national team. We know him very well, but he is in a league now that isn't considered the best. But Young Boys was they, they stormed away with the with the title last year. And this year they're like in fourth or I think they're fourth. Last time I checked, um, by the way, Siabato score again. Something to keep in mind. Um, You're so, on it. Yeah. The legacy, the legacy is what Jesse is building for future American managers. And so he's got to pull this off. He's got to keep them from being relegated. I think that will shock most Leeds fans who were drowning in their beers um, after the last game. Um, and then I watched a, I, I've subscribed to all these Leeds, you know, independent shows from fan shows now. And I watch them all after the game just to get a general feel. And what do and they you know say? What, he, what do they say about Jesse? I bet you it's positive, right? 
It is. They've been fairly supportive of him. Um, they don't like that loss. Um, they against, well, the Leicester game was really good. So they were fine. They thought we should have gotten result. The game afterwards was bad. It was bad. one of the worst games I watched. And I started off the morning watching Norwich. And I was like, this is horrible. I'm going to at least, I'm going to go watch Leeds. So, yeah. and then I watched the Leeds game and it was worse. They couldn't so, pass. They could not connect uh, two or three passes together. They looked completely out of sync. It was a panicky moment. I'm like, this is, they can't do this again or they're in trouble. These guys were freaked out, man. They yeah. were spazzes out there. And as you said, they couldn't make a 10 foot pass. Like all the weighted passes were weighted incorrectly. Um, you know, they looked, as Jesse said, they played with fear. And in fact, at one point I text Brett and I said, you know what? I just watched Jesse Marsh yell and I read his lips and he said, stop playing afraid. And he's yelled it twice in a row. They wow. showing him on the sideline. And later on, I couldn't confirm that's what he said because there was no audio, but I was pretty damn sure. And I texted Brett and later on, yeah, we go back. And in the interview after the game, he said, we played with fear. So he was he right. It. Those guys were, they were, can we swear on the show? Uh, you can if you really want to but you know okay, you're such, you're you're so articulate i don't want to <laughs> this beautiful messaging you're a beautiful speaker you have a way with words i think you're, I you're won't do it. it with some profanity yeah let's just say they were pooping their pants out okay there. i like All it right. tinglers yeah. poopers <laughs> english major it. at work here yes um but yeah um it was good to see him pull that last game out in the last second and, and see how emotional he was and um and then how calm he was in the interview afterwards not a lot of smiles even though they no. won the game he was very serious very stern he said you know hey this is just a start we got a long ways to go there's a lot of things to fix so it's uh I, we should also mention chris harmis and we need him to be successful at manchester united even though he's not the head coach but he's very hands-on when you watch these manchester united games chris harmis is up on the sideline communicating to guys he was also a victim of the Ted Lasso uh, yes. comparison. He was actually the original Ted Lasso comparison um, yes. when the Manchester United fan team was kind of making light of the situation of the Rangnick team. And then, I mean, I remember I, that kind of got me up. And then I saw Jesse Marsh twice exposed to this Ted Lasso. And I feel bad for Ted Lasso. And, you know, I saw Brendan Hunt tweet something when Jesse Marsh kind of pushed back and he said he didn't watch the show and said, um, uh, that's a lazy comparison and it is, but it's like, it's it not reality. It's a TV show and it shouldn't be put in this, but it's been, as I said before, it's been weaponized. So, uh, and I'd say it was Jesse Marsh and Chris Armas. Uh, you have, if they are successful, Manchester United finished the top four and Leeds United safely stay in the first division in the premier league, then they'll be around, maybe not Armas. But at least they know that he had a successful run. And two Americans in the Premier League can quickly become four. And we saw that uh, Brendan Aronson was mentioned to go to Leeds. Georgie Mihalovic, I don't know how much that was of a... But, you know, as an American coach, they're going to look at American players. Look at Wolves when they had... Uh, um, uh, who's the Portuguese manager whose name escapes me? But he had all these Portuguese oh, players. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, then he went on to Tottenham and he got fired. Again. Yes, but it's like that you, you kind of go where you feel safe or you know you have some clout and go, I know these American players. So that is yeah. having them there will expand the American footprint, which is good. The, uh, the success of American players is making a difference. I think people are then going to be open up a little bit more to American managers. And the last place they're going to open up is probably going to be 
England, but that's okay. Um, you know, we've waited a long time. I think, for instance, and Bruce Arena has said it before, how do you know I was never asked to coach overseas? Mm. I was. I was asked. I just didn't want to do it. I get it. I get it because, you know, that's a rough that's going to be a rough rodeo. What I mean, no, no way. Again, the 10 lasso thing came up during one of Jesse's interviews. He handled it like a superstar. Yeah. He laughed. He chuckled. It, you know, that could have, you know, that whole first interview could have gone south real fast if it were like maybe Burhalter, who maybe doesn't have as much of a sense of humor, like in that way. Maybe even Burhalter would have been fine with it. Bob Bradley, I think, would have handled it well, but he handled it perfect. That's all I got to say, because yeah. uh, it, it, it could have gone south quick, that interview. I like at the end, he said, who cares? Exactly. Yeah. And I think that kind of humbled the, uh, the reporters. But let's talk about this game. Yeah, obviously, Leeds have to beat Norwich. They were they were dominating. They could have had four or five goals. Yes. The, it should have been out of reach, much like the Leicester game. They should have won that. So you have two good performances. By the way, Rafinha is the good. So he's got a good one in that guy. Uh, he should have had a couple goals. And he I think he assisted uh, the game winner. So it's they're up a goal. Then they give up the equalizer late. And you know, Norwich is a team that's behind them that's going to be trying to pepper them to get out of the bottom three. And to have a response like that, and I would also say that uh, Jesse Marsh managed the team well. It seems like he knows his, his squad because he did bring in Joe Gelhart. And a couple of minutes later, he scored. This is a teenage kid who uh, yeah. was given an opportunity, comes into the game and delivers the goods in the 94th minute after Norwich tied it in the 91st minute. So... Leeds could have just dropped everything after the equalizer. You don't couldn't blame them because of as dominant as they were, and they found a way. So it's really positive. Um, it's a real positive development there. And now we got to see. So I, 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 Leeds are going to stay up. Something really bad would have to happen. They have Wolves yeah. on the 18th away. Then April 2nd, Leeds Southampton, and the big game. If they take care of this, they'll be in April 9th at Watford. So. Yep. This is the one that it could have gone pear shaped if they didn't get the result. Yeah. I mean, I had no belief in Norwich um, at all. Anyhow, going into the game, which is sad. And you know what? It's not going to break my heart. If next year, Sergeant has to go play in the championship. I think that'll suit him just fine. I think, you know, he'll do fine there, but as far as the way Jesse's juggling this lineup, he played a lot of guys out of position. I think in the second game, like Ailing as a, as a center back, he was the best player on the field in that second game, even though they got crushed three nothing. But moving him out wide, I think was a better idea to right back. I think you uh, allow him to then move forward with more freedom. I think we saw all that today. I think Jesse's getting a grasp, and as much as the players are trying to grasp his system, um, the the Jesse's getting a grasp on who can do what on that team. I don't care how much video you watch. Yeah. You have to be able to see it with your own eyes and make those adjustments. And he's doing it slowly, but surely. Um, and I mean, I would have brought on um, the subs a little earlier. The last sub, the guy who scored was a Gelhart. I would have brought him on a little earlier, but that's a small complaint. I mean, he ended up being the superstar and winning the game. I mean, you, you mentioned Rafina. Yeah, it was the, his pass that made it happen. But the way Rafina played the game before, I was like, why is this guy even valued? He's horrible. And then, but that was just the whole team was horrible. So, I mean, you could have said that about any player on the field or on the pitch, excuse me, except for Ailing. For your British fans, I don't want to. 
Yeah. I've already upset the British fans because I, I try to stop saying pitch and nil. And uh, I don't know. I just, it just, I don't say, it doesn't sound authentic coming out of my mouth. So I call well, it it's really zero. It's very funny how careful Jesse is about that. He's yeah. like, never says field. He says pitch. And um, that's yeah, fine. Pitch really- is the lesser of the evils. I probably should say, well, no, no, not, not pitch match as opposed to game is probably the one that I could budge on, but nil. Ah, it, this just feels weird saying it. This is a word I've never used. I mean, other than in soccer terms. So I, 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 I like to crack away from the, 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 the Anglicization, Anglicization of uh, the way we present the sport, but that's a well, conversation for another day. I know, but it is a little funny that Jesse Marsh said in one of his interviews, yeah, I haven't said the word soccer since I've been a professional soccer player. And I'm like, come on, Jesse. Yes, yeah. you have. Come on. You were in Teams <laughs> USA. You, you were in Wisconsin soccer. as a kid. Yeah, you said <laughs> soccer. Okay, not football. Let's let's not try to suck up too much to the, uh, the English press. <laughs> That's right. It's a smart play on his part. So it's good. It is. And what a relief. Um to be able to let's take a look at this as so Leeds United now in 16th, they are four points above the relegation. zone, so they're not in the clear, but obviously much better footing after those three points. We're happy, right? I mean, the, we're happy. And the good news is the teams in the bottom three really suck. I mean, they're bad. They are bad. Norwich is an awful team. They really are. They are that awful. And there's nothing they're going to be able to fix uh, outside of maybe Rashika not being so uh, gosh darn selfish that would help that would be a nice starter because he's one of the most selfish players i've ever watched but you know in general they just don't have the goods they're not gonna they're going down and so there's two teams down there right now that are going down and then you've got everton and Leeds. those guys are shaky you're wondering oh yeah they could end up there too but they should be fine both of them that's why that watford game freaks me out a bit we'll talk about that another time let's get into because there's there's a lot to um and all of these and i want to come back to josh Sargent because there's one of the the big discussions that will go through with the the u.s qualifying and who gets called in and more importantly who plays because this is we can talk about the 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 fringe players it's going to be a bigger roster but who's going you know should we get a guy in who's not should we have those conversations of whether joe scally should be coming in and he's not going to play um but there, I, I'll tell you one at the top, and we'll. Uh, Gio Reyna came into the game today. This Dortmund yep. game was uh, was really amazing because George Bello was playing for Armenia Bielefeld, and he was great. He started, he played, I think, the full ninety minutes. He did, yeah. Uh, and then Leonard uh, Maloney is it Leonard Maloney? Who's Leonard Maloney? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I go, there's three Americans out there. This is bizarre. <laughs> Now, this is the first now Maloney's been on the bench for games yeah. before, he's, but he's mostly played for Dortmund, too, all season. So seeing him out there, I was like, oh, hold on, wait, wait, let me check this roster. <laughs> and then, yeah, I was he waiting was for a fourth. <laughs> and then he got to come in with guys like Holland and Reyna. I mean, that's a big now. I've never had the highest regards for Leonard Maloney. I think he's got a long ways to go and he's already, what, 22 years old, 21 years old, somewhere around there. So he's, I don't know how much more he's going to develop, but it was nice to see him given time in a game that wasn't a blowout. I mean, you know, it's not a blowout. He's taking the field for Dortmund, man. That's pretty. I know. It's, I couldn't believe it's it. It's not Hansa Rostock here. This is Dortmund. Yeah. Sorry, all due respect to Hansa Rostock. So I don't want to, I don't want to make, I don't want they're, to make enemies. They're, they're doing all right down there. Yeah. And they got an American, right? They have a, so. Uh, they, they do. 
with with regards to Gio Reyna, and it was it was to me the best image of the weekend. It's him and Erling Holland, who's been dealing with injuries, coming back onto the field together. They look like two returning titans. Yeah. And he came out and almost had a goal. Took a couple set pieces. Looked. I mean, he looked fit. He didn't look like he was coming back from an injury. He didn't look timid. He got right into these spots. I mean, I hold my breath with Gio the same way with Christian Pulisic because of those back-to-back injuries. That's yep. not normal. That's not normal to see. It happened to him. Maybe it was a blip, but it's still something that frightens me. So it's it's tread lightly. But he looked. this was important for him to get on that U.S. roster because now he'll get a chance to play next weekend and get some serious minutes under his belt. Now, the question is, do you bring him in if you're Greg Berhalter, considering he hasn't played since the first qualifier? And I would imagine with a bigger roster, you do bring him in because I would say, and I'll get your thoughts on this, not bringing him in and letting him kind of get his bearings with Dortmund and get some extra trainings there is not the worst thing in the world because it's a bit of a shock right. to come in to qualifiers and, you know, two road games for a guy that's had these injuries. I think that's a real concern. So if he doesn't get called in, I think people will be up in arms and I would be shocked, but if he doesn't get called in, clearly that's something that Greg Berhalter is thinking, get well, get Barry. And then we'll talk when we get into the summer and when we're preparing for the world cup, God willing. Uh, But it's a big decision. And I don't think he would, I don't see, does he play if he gets in there? But my guess is he makes the roster maybe pops in on one of the later games. But again, if he doesn't get called in, I would understand. Yeah, I I could understand it too. Um, And at the same time, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, So I had before Raina suddenly played these 20 minutes or so I had him out. Because I just didn't want to risk yeah. it. I didn't think it was worth it. So I had Adams, Acosta, Musa, De La Torre, Leggett, and Roldan. I mean, I think that's a pretty predictable Berhalter midfield. Especially for the last last group of qualifiers. Where you just, it's get in. Get in with the guys that have been there. Which is pretty here, much the way you should do it. And here's Reyna, who hasn't played in several windows now. Um, and you know, you'd also have to wonder if Dortmund would say, Hey, can you just leave this kid alone for this last window? Because we just want to keep nursing him back to health. And he's only going to give you 20 minutes at best. Anyhow, I mean, I don't know how that conversation goes, but so the other question is, if you do bring Reina in, who gets let go? Cause somebody of the six guys I just mentioned is not going to be called up. Somebody's got to go. Is that legit? Well, legit's playing well for yep. the revs right now. And Roldan's playing well. I know. I mean, (laughs) he's been a superstar for Sounders, whether it's been Champions League or this weekend. So, uh, man, I am at a real like you. I'm I'm not sure what's going to happen there. Um, It's almost like, you know, put a blindfold on and throw a dart at the wall because I don't know what Greg's going to do. And I don't know what Dortmund's going to request because, you know, the clubs have a say in this. Yes. So that might make um, his decision easier too. If Dortmund goes, look, we really want to break him in. Cause that may be all he needs to say. And he would understand that as a coach. He goes, I think he would. I, you know what, after a little chat here, I'm thinking he doesn't get called in. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm sticking with that. Cause I don't think you, 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 I don't think you can get rid of legit and rolled on if you're Burr because those are your guys. Those are your dudes. Those are Burr dudes, right? They know Burr system. They've been there for every window. They haven't always played. Legit's sat prime for two windows now. Roldan's got on it here and there. 
But yeah, do you get rid of him, especially when they're in really good form, even as talented as Reyna is? And he is. He's a superstar. And he's going to be even bigger a superstar. But I don't, I just don't feel comfortable with it right now. And although, I mean, I guess you could bring seven midfielders, mm. but that seems excessive. And, you know, Greg's already said once he has more than 26, 27 players on his roster, he can't run practice properly. So whatever that means. I mean, I can't believe he said that. <laughs> I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Uh, it's like once that 28th guy gets on the field, I'm, I'm lost. We have no way to work with 28 guys. Well, it's too many people in here. Who invited all these guys? <laughs> get another assistant coach then, Greg. <laughs> you already have 18 of them or whatever the number is. It's a lot. It's the most assistant coaches I've ever seen on a U.S. men's national we'll just put it that way it's i'm not trying to bust greg's balls i'm just i'm having a good time here yeah no I, Derek, you're really fair i really appreciate you and i mean look even people would go well jet and rolled on but you've got to look at it practically and say they've been here the whole time they're playing well they know what the system is they're probably good locker room guys and you want to create a very similar setting than what you've had here and there can't be too many shocks to the system and wait for guys to get the form that is in any sport in any national team that is how they do these things it's not just greg berhalter in the u.s so i think that's a very right. good job but that brings us to the next big discussion well before i before you go there real go quick I, I i just want to say this i want to clarify he could bring him as a forward as yes. well, but that, that means you're going to have to get rid of one of the forwards you have on your list. Would that be Areola? Because, I, I mean, I'm guessing it's Pulisic, Wea, Aronson, Morris, and Reyna maybe instead. And, now, and well, who are the strikers? And the strikers you're going to bring in, so. Yeah, Pepe Ferreira <laughs> Sargent. I don't Ferris know. Sar I don't know. <laughs> I think it's those three. It's two of those three <laughs> as the strikers, but well, yeah. let's just go. Uh, we'll start. At, we're in the midfield. Weston McKinney can't go, so who comes in for him in the starting 11? Cause that's what it is. And I think Kellen Acosta is the likely choice for Aztec. I think he's a good player in that uh, stadium to, for that job in particular for that game. Mm -hmm. um, Dela Torre is an option. And I think the Dela Torre thing is, is a huge relief that he got in on that Honduras game. Cause now he's, he's in, he's in the yep. bloodstream. So yes. if that didn't happen, then this is, this is a more uncomfortable conversation. Uh, but Adams, who's not, you know, in great form, not playing a lot kind of on the back side, the outside looking in for everything that Leipzig does, but he still gets in there. Uh, but I, I I've learned not to get up in arms if guys aren't playing all the times, so if they're still, we know who they are. So it's going to be Adams, Musa, uh, Della Torre, uh, th Acosta. This is for, for game one. I think it'll be Acosta, Musa, Adams. Yeah, Really, Adams. The only thing I think you keep Adams off, he's got the yellow card. That's true. He's okay, that's fair. Okay, so you put Acosta further at back? The, at the sixth. At the yeah. sixth. I, Musa I, and Delatore. I could live with that. I could too. And I'm totally fine with it. Other people are going to complain about it, but I think that's that's the rational thing to do because what's the most important game of this window? It's Panama. And I'd rather have a, a yellow cardless Adams going into that game. I mean, it, another yellow card, he's got to sit out. So, which I think is a, something they need to adjust in the rules. I think two yellow cards. It's a heavy before. price. Oh my gosh. I mean, Jesus, that's too much. <sighs> so, um, but I think, I think Greg will play it a little bit. Although we've heard him say before, I'm just going to play, play my best 11. I think at this point, he's got to be a little bit more 
And it's hard reading Greg's mind. This is not an easy thing to try to do. So if it ended up you've being, tried, you've tried, haven't you? I haven't. You, you know what the scary <laughs> thing is? I've been about 95% right most of the time. Yeah. It's you can... Brett who Brett goes off on the tangents and tries to do his own thing. But I try to stick to mind melding with Burhalter. And it's it's served me well, I have to say. So I do think he's gonna make that rational choice versus Mexico. People are gonna complain. But I think Acosta has served us well in that six spot. And then look at his set piece taking. I mean, you're going to have to take some set pieces against Mexico. That's going to happen. And you don't want Pulisic taking him because he can't get over the first guy's head. So Acosta swings him in, baby. He puts it in the junk where, you know, things happen and goals are scored in the junk, you know, when things go hyper in there. So with regards to set pieces, just to muddy the waters even more, Gio Reyna had a couple of them and they looked good. He got the ball up and he got him in. So yep. that's an option which could, which w- should benefit him, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Gianluca Busio, I think, picked up an injury. He hasn't been 100%, so probably not an option. So it's pretty threadbare. And I think that, I think for people thinking that Roldan and Legette aren't going to be it, it's almost locked in that those two will find it because they can do, play a couple positions and they can fill some gaps. So yeah, and Busio hasn't been playing that much. No. In fact, Tessman's been playing more than Busio lately. So yeah, it's too bad for Busio. And, you know, he, he'll get better, whatever his ailment is, and he'll be back, and I'm sure it'll, you know, he'll work it out. But I, I just, I wouldn't call him up right now. I just, I just don't think that's an option at midfield. All right, so we're... You know, I think we know who the guys are. We, we're, we're, I think we're in agreement with how it's going to look. And I think, look, you say Panama is the most important game. It is, but this Mexico game you could really put yourself in a great position for a result that's attainable, a point at the very least. Mm-hmm. Uh, Costa Rica got a point. Panama should have got a point. You know, this Mexican team is labored in some of these matchups, and it's not a fortress. And who knows? You know, Me- Mexico has been uh, in a bit of a t- – it, there's a uh, this kind of a hangover from what happened at Querétaro and Atlas, and you've seen it. And not that they're connected, but there is a, a weight around Mexican football now, and they're feeling as much pressure, if not more than uh, what's happening with the U.S. So oh, an opportunity, sure. an opportunity. I, and Tata has got a lot of pressure on him. And, but this team has not performed like the Mexico teams of the past. I mean, okay. There was the one year that we saved them and they eventually qualified, but they could have been out of the world cup. But so that was a bad year, but then they've transitioned into what was supposed to be sort of this golden generation. And that hasn't really panned out for them the way everybody thought it was. And of course, all the blame goes on Tata because they're like, look at these great players we have and he's not getting the job done. So the Mexican press is all over Tata right now. And I, I'm just saying that in this game versus Mexico, they're going to come out guns a blazing. I think they're going to go all out, which is actually benefits us sometimes. So we'll see what happens there, but I'm more confident in the Panama game. Um, we're at home. And it's a must win for us. Hopefully it's not a must, must win. Cause if, like you said, we win in Mexico. Well, that's pretty we're much in. it. We're, we're, we're good. In. We're good to go. So uh, it's a, uh, that should be a multiple goal win in Orlando, but we will, we'll see, but we still have to go through this checklist of issues who plays number nine, uh, Ricardo Pepe Augsburg's game was postponed before that. He's on the bench playing sparingly hasn't scored a goal i believe since october in a club yeah. game uh josh Sargent to me has been the most uh uh has been the best development with guys that 
could play number nine, even though he's not playing that position. I, I think he could be a good guy for the Mexico game because he can work in so many places and maybe uh, help out the midfield a bit, but I, it may take away from the scoring prowess. Uh, Jesus Fernandez is interesting. And I think it's those three guys, either all three make it, two of them make it, but who starts? It's, it has to be a good matchup. Uh, I guess because of everything we've said about having a routine and having this, having a, a familiarity, it would lean into Ricardo Pepe, but I mean, Man. it's really been a downward spiral for him. I mean, his confidence has got to be very low. If you had a three-sided die, you could just roll that one. And because again, it's another throw a dart against the, you know, blindfolded against the wall with three pictures on it. And uh, then you got out the door scoring. This, <laughs> I mean, he didn't play the whole time, but when he came in, he scored. Zardes scored last week. Um, you know, we know Greg loves artists too. So anything could happen, even though Seabadu PFOX scored again today um, for young boys, you know, you've got people saying, Hey, this guy scores goals, bring him. But uh, I think if he does come, he's a replacement for uh, Ferreira, or you could, you could argue he's not because Ferreira can play the false nine and that gives uh, Greg options if he wants to do that. Whereas Sergeant could probably pull off a false nine, but why use a six foot two kid like that? I don't know why you do that. And then um, we know what we get from Pepe, I think, but then the Augsburg thing is a little distressing. Um, man, yeah, he didn't start. Just... He didn't start the first two games in the last cycle. So he already was kind of on the pushed back a bit in the pecking order for the U S team in the last cycle. Yep. So that's already happened exactly. before the poor form. Right. So who is it going to so... be? You know what you've committed. I think it's going to be Fedeta now. I do Starting. think for the first game, it'll probably be for it. But I think um, depending on how that goes, we could see Sargent come in in the last 20. Um, maybe Pepe, if we need a goal, and Acosta's taking those those whipping in uh, set pieces. And uh, so we'll see what happens there. I, I mean, I just, I, we, we made our predictions. We haven't, we haven't done our starting 11 yet, but I saw Jimmy, Jimmy had, Conrad had way at center forward. I'm like, come on, Jimmy. That's not happening. <laughs> He's not been playing That's well not, either. He's not been playing well that, either. Nor much. So, you nor know, much. Uh, and so, yeah, you, and that if you're going to make a starting 11 and people are going to listen to you because you're Jimmy Conrad, I'm just busting Jimmy's balls here a little bit, but you know, you can't put a guy like Wea who has never played center forward for us ever in the history. So that's not happening. I can say that comfortably. One thing I can say comfortably. I, I think we've got this figured out here, Derek. I think we do. I think we've really <laughs> fleshed it out, and I think we're putting in a we're putting in the starting eleven. So I, gonna, we, I hope maybe. I like it. Let's flick the page to another issue, which All is right. pretty seismic when you think Matt Turner, Zach Steffen, still not playing, uh, and we wait. And at, at this point, you'd have to think neither one's going to start the first game. Uh, the the yep. Turner thing is a disaster because apparently the injury goes back to the the, the Minnesota cold, so it, it, it's connected to the U.S. experience certainly. But like this gift, this gift has arrived. Ethan Horvath has taken the Bryce Samba was injured, was suspended. He's back, and Ethan Horvath's still starting. And North Nottingham Forest are winning games, are getting clean sheets, they're moving on in the FA Cup. And Horvath's yep. the guy. I mean, this we should have could have never hoped 
or dreamt this development could have occurred. But here we are. When we need a goalkeeper the most, one steps up. So this to me is becoming an easier decision. Because, and the Nations League obviously is that one confident tick that uh, Burhalter can kind of turn to. Sean Johnson's is a, is a legit option. Uh, but what Horvath has done is uh, extraordinary, really, because this is yeah. out of the blue. For a good team in the championship that's winning games, Yep. He, I think he's, I think he's the guy at the Azteca, which is crazy when you think about just a few weeks ago. But that's where we are. When Samba came back from his red cards, um, because to keep in mind, Horvath wasn't even playing cup games for Nottingham Forest. Samba was playing their cup games too, and that, that would have frankly really irritated me if I was Horvath. And um, apparently, you know, the coach uh, was naming the starting lineup and, you know, Horvath was ready to get back to his bench position. And he was just like, Oh, me, me again. Okay. Awesome coach. I'm going to go in and play. Thank you. And this four games in a row now, and the coach even managed uh, uh, to talk about him in two different interviews and say, this guy has made it really difficult for me to put Samba back in this team. He's been that good. And so, and he has been good. If anybody watched the games, he's been fantastic. So, um, yeah, I am t- absolutely comfortable with Horvath starting every single game in this window. And I think he will, unless we win the first two games and it's like, okay, now we can coast. Maybe you throw Slonina in there from the last game just to get, or Johnson, just to thank him for writing Pine for so long um, and just being there for us as the second guy. Um, and so I think Horvath's going to be it. Although I have to say, he Pierce picked Slonina to start the Mexico game. You know, he on did? starting 11. Yes. I was like, Heath, what are you doing? What I are we I, doing? <laughs> all I want is, is Gaga to be on the squad. Cause I heard tactical managers say that he thought Guzan would come in. I go, Oh boy. Yeah, uh, but I it makes sense so. to bring in a bit of, I think mean, Gaga from what he's done and just to give him this experience, it's too valuable for a guy who's not going to play. Just get him in there because this is one for the future, but we know the three key. I, we knew the two keepers and possibly the third. Uh, right. But if Gaga Slovenia starts, what a story that would be. But, you know, it would be insane. Stuff. It would I be mean, insane. You throwing them to the wolves there at Azteca. That doesn't seem like a good. T- I mean, that <laughs> could wound wound him for a long time if that goes real south. So I w- that's not a game I would throw a young kid into. Um, you throw him into the last one where if you're already qualified, it's just about figuring out how or giving him an experience. You know, that's all it is. Chris Richards didn't play this weekend, so that injury continues. That was picked up at the Canada game. Uh, to me, that firms up the fact that the starting center back is going to be Zimmerman and Miles Robinson. It, those three, whoever the two of the three are, I'm happy with. The defense has been really good, but not having Richards is a concern. You need cover because the, the same two aren't going to play all three games. Now, Robinson didn't play this weekend for Atlanta. No, he did not. I, well, then I did that's, not see him up. I didn't see him on the injury list though, either. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Did he have yellow card accumulation or something? I don't I'd know. Have to check. I I'd have to check on that, but I hope, I hope yeah. that's the case. I hope that is certainly the case, but um, yeah. they had, was it Campbell up there? He's impressing a lot of people, but obviously he's yes. not under consideration. I will say another gift has emerged for the U S team. And that's Aaron long, who I was watching today, Sunday, mm-hmm. and he was getting around. He looks I think he probably gets in there. He I probably plays a game, not Mexico, yep. but that's a, a Greg Burhalter archetype player that he would like to see in that 11. And he right. just got back. 
So we don't know about John Brooks. The John Brooks thing is too sticky, icky that I I, I almost don't want to see him here because it's going to it's weird. So if I hear I hear he's going to be there. Oh, yeah. Well, yes. And, and I'm and I'm the one who broke the last two windows that he wasn't going to be there. And they're like, wow, you're full of crap. Derek. You're on it. No, I was on it. But now I am hearing from my Bundesliga friends that he's going to make this one. Because if he doesn't, number one, I mean, as far as Burhalter's concerned, how are you going to explain it away this time? Because he yeah. can't see his form, right? You could say, well, I mean, he should have said this the first time. Well, he just doesn't fit into our plans as far as what we want to do. We want to uh, work out. Uh, uh, we want to press high. And so we need two quick center backs. And he's just not fast enough. So he could say that, although that's kind of a harsh thing to say. But it's true, right? I mean, it's also true. He's a slow kind of languid runner. Um, but at the same time, Brooks is in form. And I don't think you can make an excuse this time unless, unless um, you know, Burhalter calls Brooks again and says, okay, I want you on the team, but I don't think you're going to start necessarily. And Brooks goes, well, I got, okay, fine. Then I got a back twinge, so I'm not coming. I mean, that's what happened one of the times. Okay. And um, so people don't have to believe me if they don't want to um just saying that's what happened by the way miles robinson suspended there you go so okay thank god thank god but that's good cover (laughs) brooks and long are two seasoned guys i'm comfortable seeing making a squad and playing to go with the guys that they've developed so that's a good situation and you may you may see five yeah you may see five i think it makes sense i think it makes sense if Reina's coming, Reem will be there too because Reem is Reina's mentor. So well, Reem's done everything in his power to get on there. Granted, when he plays, when we've seen him play, it hasn't really been great. But man, he's what has he played every minute of every game still? Like, we're close I to know. It. I know. And it's going to be sad once they, they're going to get promoted. And next season, he'll play like the first three games and they'll replace him with whatever new signing they have. And he'll just ride pine for the rest of the season in the Premier League. But, you know, both Robinson and Reem, uh, Batman and Robin, or whatever you want to call them, Jedi and Jedi, older Jedi, um, they've been fantastic for Fulham. And that Fulham, watching Fulham games, I'm a Fulham fan, originally going back about 15 years. So, um, I love it. I've been loving this season. Good, so. Good for you, Derek. By the way, I put together. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I needed this, although yes. I'm getting sick of the roller coaster. I got to tell you. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to change, but best of luck no. to you. I look, I think I yeah. put together a decent. I think we put together a decent lineup. We'll get, I'm going to go. So Horvath back for miles Robinson, Zimmerman. I'm sorry. Uh, Jedi Robinson, Zimmerman, yep. miles Robinson, Sergio Dest. Uh, Musa Acosta Della Torre. Yep. Ferreira at number nine. And then the, the wide players. Now, Pulisic was a slam dunk, and he's still going to be a slam dunk. But I, 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 I know I can't judge every minute of every day, but I was a little disappointed that he gets sick. I mean, there's nothing you can do about getting sick, but he had so much momentum. Then he gets yeah. sick. Then he comes on off the bench to this game, probably still recovering. It's just a bummer because you want to see him enjoy this vein of form, and it's just always something. It's always something. Yeah. Uh, I heard a couple different reports on that, that he registered a fever that he wasn't, he didn't think it was that bad and he was willing to play, but um, because of some protocols that have been yeah. set up, if you register a fever, obviously that's a warning of, you know, potential Rona. And so they're like, you just stay away from the team, you know? Um, so I think he would have wanted to play. And of course he played today. So he played well. Um, and he has a big game and, coming in the midweek in the Champions League, as does Tim Weah. Hopefully he plays too. 
yeah i don't know what's going on with where that's oh, so that's really the, that, that's the loose end so the front three fedata pulisic and sergeant and sergeant i think it's sergeant i think it's sergeant it's, it's going to be one of the forwards because not aronson no aronson will be there i've got pulisic i mean but where starting aronson. starting in there oh starting um, who would be that that it's who would Ferreira. Be the it's, it's but for no, Fedeta, Pulisic, and who would be the third in the front? Oh, it's going to be Wea, anyhow. Wea, okay, yeah. I yeah think he's so. been so I he's think, been good for the national team. So all right, I think he's just too good. And then you bring Aronson in for Pulisic or Wea, and you know, God forbid, we actually played a different formation. Aronson could play a ten, but that's just we don't have it. So he's just going to end up on the wing unless you want to experiment with him in, in you know as an eight again, which I wouldn't do because that didn't work out real well last time. So I think Aronson's just going to have to bite his time. Um, and if let's say Wea is out of form when he gets Boom. into camp because he hasn't played very much, then you're right. It's Aronson. Well, we got options. Uh, yes. I'm glad we, 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 I think we did some really good work here, Derek. This was, uh, yes. this was very good. So and I, 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 we did most of it. I, I don't want to, we, we've been on here a long time. So I, we had some other topics, but we, we, we went over the big ones. I just want one last thing that we can discuss because I think it's important. Okay. The CONCACAF Champions League. I've said for a couple of weeks, MLS team is going to win it. It mm-hmm. looked, I was, you don't think so? Mm-hmm. I do. I do think you're right. But it's, how do they, how do they screw this up? New England don't, and New York City FC. And who am I? You got Montreal, Seattle. Seattle are through Sounders. something bad yeah. for those three. Montreal have put themselves in a position where you could have all four. I, I right. still think Cruz Azul gets through. And then Cruz Azul being in there is a, is that thorn in uh, the MLS's efforts, but you have three good teams. And I have seen something from the MLS teams that I haven't seen in years past where they've been, you know, they, they've been pretty vicious. They put these teams down. And there are enough good results against Mexican teams where they ran them off the park. Seattle ran Leon off the park. That uh, could have been like six, nothing. Honestly, yes. that game, honestly, it, it, it feels like these MLS teams are now for whatever reason, maybe the earlier start. Um, obviously the fact that you don't have the strongest league MX teams, you don't have club America, you don't have the, the Monterey teams. So you have, a good option you have good matchups here and even the pumas game that was uh that was pretty convincing so it, i think definitely you have that one semi you'll have an all mls semifinal you just got to get someone to knock out cruz azul but i, I mean, think that, this is it that revs game could have been five nothing honestly i oh, mean that's it? how well they played and they, it wasn't it's not just that they're winning three nothing um it's that they have the majority of the possession they dominate the game physically and they look like the more skilled team. I, I just can't believe what I'm watching right now. I, I just never thought I'd get to the point where, you know, we have the Sounders up three zero on Leon. We got the revs up three zero on you. I mean, on Pumas. I mean, they're going to go back uh, to Mexico in some of the cases and let's see if we can put it away out. But this all started with Montreal's drubbing of Santos Laguna. I mean, that was an absolute bloodbath that first game. Three nothing. Yes, I mean, and I, I watched it. Yeah. They're knocking these Mex- MLS teams are not. They're not having to worry about other Mexican teams knocking out Mexican teams or maybe a Costa Rica team. They're going out and knocking out these MLS teams. Just one so far, but two more look like they're ready to be pushed over the edge, and that's a very that's a, a sign that says the there's a a, a change here, and yeah. it, I. 
you know, Seattle, New York City FC, probably your semifinal could go either way. Then New England looks poised to be able to, if it is Cruz Azul, that they could probably get over. We could have an all MLS final. I'm kind of leaning in towards that. I just thought we got to win. If if it's Cruz Azul and three MLS teams and Cruz Azul wins it, oh boy. Uh, I mean, if it's an all MLS final, we've solved the problem. Haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> if it's a, if it's an all MLS semifinal, we're out of the woods at this early stage. So I mean, it's, be, yeah, that would be great. I mean, it, it it to see. I mean, not that anybody watches the you know Club World Cup or anything like that, but for me personally to see one of our, our uh, MLS teams playing in that. I think they're going to change the format. That's all the rumor. That's all the discussion right now. We're going to have a lot more teams in the Club World Cup. It's going to look a lot more like a World Cup, not a 32-team World Cup or anything like that. But it'll be like 16 or 24 and teams. I don't know more, how they're going to do More that. Mexican and more MLS teams, and obviously a few more from elsewhere. But, you know, that's yeah. where, it, where it ends up in. But uh, it's... There's a, it's obviously a huge opportunity. What, and, and like you said, we don't watch the club world cup, but what makes it important is it that it, it gets the attention of our friends South of the border and right. because they push so much and that leaks back into the United States, what happens in Liga MX, you know, there's so many fans in the United States who have Liga MX teams. And if now they see MLS teams are beating their favorite Liga MX team, then they're like, Oh, wait a minute. Are we this, are we second fiddle? And then, well, I don't know how that manifests itself, but that certainly is going to create more interest and probably more fans. So it's not a, it's, you know, we look at all the things that can help build MLS, help build soccer in this country. This is, I think it's significant. There's a lot of things we have to improve, but MLS teams winning this tournament after, you know, you know, seeing Mexican teams make a final after final, that's progress. And people like to tabulate that and it will resonate. I'm and listen, the Mexican press is freaking out about this. They do not like this. They do not like that Chicharito plays in the United States. They do not like that Vela is and playing Hector in the Herrera now going to be coming and here. Herrera, Pizarro went back, but they didn't like that either. They're, they have, you know, some major alarms going up in the Mexican press right now. They're freaking out about this, especially after these losses, these tremendous losses. So, you know, I don't see how the Sounders go back to Leon and, and, and don't just you know, maybe they, they give up a goal or two or whatever, but I think they're going to win. This is going to sound major alarm bells and, you know, everybody is suffering financially. Um, there are some, not everybody, but some teams in uh, the MX, they are suffering financially as well. So they don't have the kind of money. Some of the teams don't have the kind of money they used to have. And that's because of Rona and all kinds of other reasons, financial reasons. So, and then we got multiple owners of multiple teams in league MX. This is starting to sound a lot like, how MLS started, you know, you <laughs> owners that own multiple teams. Well, they're going, they're ending up where we started from. That's not a good sign for them. And I hope that gets fixed because I, I still like to watch those games. And, um, but it is like, if you've got Sebastian Salcedo starting at Pumas, what does that say about Pumas right now? It's not good. And <laughs> I not listen, good. he's a one trick pony. He's, he's a good player, but he's not a U.S. men's national team caliber player. And yet, he plays a lot of minutes for Pumas. So that's weird because Pumas to me, you know, over the many years, they've just been one of those teams that's always been solid, rock solid. And they're not looking very solid to me. Yeah, not at all. But and like I also said, hey, they don't have America or the Monterey teams, but they, yeah, these other true. teams are better. But you know what? This is the best. These are the teams that qualify. 
and they're not doing well. And they're still big names. Santos and Cruz Azul and Leon are perennially in this competition. And right now they are laboring with these results. So this is Whoever, to me, uh, a, this is the state of Liga MX, even though you don't have Monterrey Tigres or America. I mean, it's always been good enough before, right? Yep. The teams that qualified for uh, the CCL were always good enough for Mexico. And now they're looking a little shrinky dinky, not like they used to look, you know, um, as powerful or scary. No chance. Or they don't, they don't dominate the ball. They don't dominate possession even sometimes it's just it's just a weird thing for me to get my head to wrap around that right now but it's so sudden of a change um i just never it, thought i'd see this kind of domination sudden the sudden switch you're right yeah. Derek Ritchie, straight record i think we got the u.s to qualify for the world cup and we got an mls team to win the Concacaf champions league i think this is think important work we've done here this this day We've somehow managed to pull that off. <laughs> and we got, we kept leads uh, promoted. We got leads staying in the Premier League. This is really good yes, stuff. Uh, check, check out the straight red card on YouTube. Where is it? You, there, you, what other uh, platforms are you on? Yeah, Brett does the Twitter. It's like straight underline red, I think. I think. I don't know. <laughs> They'll I stay it. away from. I, yeah, I, I stay away from Twitter because it's too dirty. Um, and then Lucky you know, we're on we're on the the uh, the Facebooks as well. And it's just the straight red card. But um, nobody I mean, listen, I'm on there because I'm like I manage a number of different U.S. men's national team pages. And so I am on Facebook, but I don't like going there much. But I do. I have to because I manage the pages. Um, but so, yeah, but check out the show on the YouTubes. That's what's yes. important. <laughs> yeah, check out the episode I was on. It was a, it was a good hoot. That's why I wanted to bring Derek because you could see his information is great. Uh, he, he brings some levity. He's smart. And uh, we need more people like Derek uh, informing people because he knows his stuff. So Derek Ritchie, Straight Ricard, thanks for joining me in the business end. And thank we, you, Max. Got it. We'll do this again soon, man. I had a blast. Yeah. We'll bring you on too. Again. Yes, let's keep it going. Keep it going. <laughs> yeah. Conveyor belts. Let's go. Yes. We'll be we'll be back to wrap it all up here with stoppage time. Next, this is the soccer OG. Quick jaunt here for stoppage time and uh, unique circumstances surrounding Lionel Messi. Barcelona and PSG. As we all know, Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona. He uh, reluctantly didn't want to go. And he heads to PSG, signs a three-year contract, big money contract. Two guaranteed, third is an option. And the thought was PSG was going to win the Champions League with him alongside Neymar and Mbappe. And another example of a super team, as we see them in every sport, and generally they don't succeed. It's got to be very difficult to share the responsibility, to share the ball, to get everyone involved. So it didn't work out for PSG, but nobody could predicted the way it would have fallen apart as badly as it did. PSG beating Real Madrid in the round of 16 of the Champions League. One Cero in the first leg in Paris. Second leg, they get another goal from Kylian Mbappe, who's also part of this weaved tale. And then uh, one of the worst goalkeeping errors I have ever seen, certainly under the circumstances, by uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma, who has been sharing the goalkeeping responsibilities with Kaylor Navas. And now we know why Kaylor Navas was... 
uh, ahead of him in many ways. And Gianluigi Donnarumma, the hero of the Euros with his penalty saving. A much different Donnarumma now, which makes you uh, a little bit hesitant to put him amongst the goalkeeping elite. That's something that's going to remain for him for some time. PSG quit after that. But without that play by Donnarumma, PSG are preparing for the quarterfinals. It was uh, just an unbelievable collapse. Uh, the third goal, something you've never seen right off the kickoff. And we all saw it together. PSG bounced out. Lionel Messi now with a club that it just doesn't make any sense for him to be at. Kylian Mbappe, who uh, would, be, would have appeared, and he is really the victim here. He did everything, and his teammates let him down in a big way. He had PSG in the quarterfinals, and now they lose to the team that he is supposedly going to go to. I don't think there is any uh, debate that he's not going to end up at Real Madrid. Why will he stay? He is their best player. He is arguably the best player in the world. But he shares that top billing with Neymar and Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi is a bit of a tragic figure here, and far be it for me for anyone to say that because of the incredible career he's had, but he's 34. He's going to have a World Cup here where he has a shot because he has a really good Argentina team and it would be great to see him succeed there. Uh, he's been a good, he, and he has been a, a, a critical part of Argentina's success over the last 18 months when they won the Copa America and qualified clear, easily for the World Cup. Hopefully that ends well for him. But after that, you have to ask, can he stay at PSG for two more years? I just don't see it. This weekend... PSG fans whistling at Neymar and Messi every time he touched the ball. The PSG Ultras saying that the chairman and CEO, Nasser El Khalafi, should leave. Mauricio Pochettino on borrowed time. He's no way he's going to remain with that club. And then he had a bad look because of, uh, he said it was uh, a foul that wasn't called. And PSG way out of line with the way they handled that. Donnarumma really put his foot in it. And that's it. That's what happened. But getting back to Lionel Messi. And getting back to Barcelona, he leaves Barcelona reluctantly. And now Barcelona, who should be paying a very heavy price for their financial woe, are on this incredible surge under Xavi. They brought in several faces, none of these crazy signings, but still good ones. I mean, still good ones by anyone's standard. But they're not going after Erling Haaland. They made well by uh, getting a Danny Alves a little bit over the hill. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang who was set adrift by Arsenal. He comes in here and he's been fantastic for this team. The young kids like Pooch and Pedri and Gavi have come in and been a big part. A revival project like Osmeni Dembali is playing for Torres they brought in. He's obviously a big signing, but he was a bit set adrift by Manchester City. All these guys are delivering week in, week out. 12 games unbeaten. Third place in La Liga. Into the round of 16 of the Europa League. They play Galatasaray this week. Could move on. All this good stuff happening for Barcelona unexpectedly. Now, the bottom could fall out, but I doubt it. And there is Messi. And by the way, in that PSG game, he played the whole game. He was nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be seen. In many ways, the game has passed him by. He could play for a team that serves him well, and he could still be effective. PSG is not that. PSG cannot have all three of those guys on the field because they leave big gaps. And uh, they need some ball winners and they need some connectors. This was a bad fit from the beginning. I was worried about it, but then PSG gave you hope. 
and then it fell apart. And now Lionel Messi is a bit in limbo. He may stay with PSG another year. My guess is now is the time to start that retirement journey. Do those things you want to do. If you want to come to Major League Soccer, great. If you want to come to Liga MX, if you want to play in the Middle East, if you want to go back to your boyhood club, Newell's Old Boys, now is the time. There's still a lot of money on the table, so he could still make money in some of those places. Not at Newell's, but some of these places. But it, it, it hit hard as a fist that certainly his time has come by. And it's hard, but this is the reality of sports. But I feel for Lionel Messi because of what he has to see on a regular basis to see the spirit with the Barcelona club that he wants to be part of and now being booed in Paris. Sports ain't fair, but that's the way it is. And Lionel Messi earning it, but I'm curious to see what's happening because he has a lot still to give. And I wish him all the luck at the World Cup. This is the Soccer OG. Check out the Soccer OG podcast every week. Check out the library. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bredos. We'll be back again next week. Sebi Salazar to join us. Big shows coming as we get ready for the World Cup qualifiers and World Cup draw. Thanks for joining us. Placido Domingo.